Ugly. Chapter 21. The Choice. Okay, go find that imaginary clay baby's head sculpture you did. Any version is okay. Pretty, ugly, or not so ugly. This is the last time you'll need it. Promise. Imagine you've got this grand plan to give it one last big effort to finish it off. You think about what you might do, start working out which tools you'll need and whom you can ask for help. Then someone goes and takes it away. You've spent ages working on it, and now you'll never know how it would have turned out. How annoying would that be? My doctors felt a little bit like that. They were artists, and they didn't like leaving their work half-finished. They had done a tremendous amount of surgery on my legs and my face and had made a very important difference to my life. Now they wanted to finish their masterpiece. I'd known for years that my surgeons wanted to do another major operation. This would be the big one, they said, the operation that would make everything right. And one day, after, just after I had turned 14, I arrived home from school expecting to eat some snacks, watch some television, and begrudgingly start my homework when my parents said the day had arrived. My doctors had discussed it with mom and dad, who in turn raised the prospect with me. Most importantly, they told me it would mean a massive improvement to how I looked. My last operation didn't make that much of a difference, I said. That last one was mostly about getting ready for this one, Dad said. Mom nodded. This one's a lot bigger, Robert. They're going to do a heap more work, Dad said. Almost as much as you had with your first big operation when you were four. My bumps would be ironed out, my nose would be made almost normal, and my eyes would be moved slightly closer together. I would look much better, much, much better. By then, I'd started to notice girls, and I started to notice girls noticing how I looked. I think my doctors were also starting to notice me noticing how girls noticed how I looked. While the idea of another big operation had always been in the back of my mind, I hadn't really given it much thought. Now I wondered what it would be like to look normal. Would I feel different if I had a regular nose? Would girls notice me more if the dents at the sides of my heads were filled in? Would other kids tease me less? Would I still be called toe nose? Over the next few weeks, I asked my parents a question here, a question there. Then they sat me down and said it was time to talk properly. I wasn't surprised that they wanted to hear my opinion before they made their decision. They were good like that. Robert, Mom said, you know we've been talking about you having another operation on your face. A big one. Yep. She looked at Dad and took a deep breath. Well, she said, this decision isn't up to us. You're 14 and we think you should decide whether the doctors do the operation or not. It's your life, so it's your choice, Dad said. What? Had I heard my parents properly? Were they really asking me to decide if I should have an operation? And not just any old operation, a massive one that might make me look normal. My breathing sped up. My heart pounded so loudly I could hardly concentrate. I realized that was exactly what they meant. I could make a single one of the thousand thoughts racing around my head stay still for even a second. I panicked. Did I have to give them an answer right now? I had no idea what to think or even how to think it. Mom must have noticed how worried I looked. We're not, going, we're not asking for your advice to help us choose, Robert, she said. It's entirely up to you, and you don't have to decide right away. The doctors are really eager for the operation to go ahead, Dad said, but like I said, it's your choice. The surgeons understood that I had formed close friendships with my buddies, but I was entering that time the experts refer to as the period when a boy will hopefully begin to form relationships with creatures known as girls. They were sending Mom and Dad a clear message. Robert has done very well in life so far. He survived childhood and made it into his teenage years. Now we need to prepare him to become a proper functioning adult. The doctors wanted me to have a normal life. They wanted me to have girlfriends. 
They wanted me to grow up and fall in love and maybe get married and have children, like my friends would, and they thought all of that would be so much easier for me if I weren't so ugly. They had been concerned about this right from the start. When I was first born, one doctor had examined me and told Dad that I'd have a normal mental ability and hit puberty like every other kid, but be rejected by others because of the way I looked. At the time, Dad had a wife under sedation who couldn't bring herself to see the massively deformed baby she'd just given birth to. He had four other kids at home who needed looking after. He had a job he had to keep because he was the breadwinner in the household, and he had me. What might happen if I made it to puberty was the least of his problems back then. Fourteen years later, the question seemed much more important. I was a million light years away from being ready to go up and ask a girl if she wanted to go out with me, not counting playground attempts in grade four, but I understood, if only in theory, why the doctors were worried. My face still looked like someone had driven a train across it and left tracks behind as scars. I knew the routes they traced across my head. I knew where they disappeared beneath my hairline. I knew the bumps. I knew my nose was so wide I could see it out of the corner of both eyes. I knew my ugliness well, like, well, like it was my own face. We started talking it through in more detail. How long would the operation take? I wanted to know. What would they be cutting up this time? Where would they move things to? First, the easy part. The doctors would fill the gaps in my skull with previous operations. I had slight depressions at the front of my forehead and a massive crater on each side of my head running down to my eyebrows. This work wouldn't be too hard. The doctors would simply find some more spare cartilage and end up with a scar on the left of my chest, just like the one I had on the right. Most of the work would be around my nose and eyes, though. Doctors would unsquish my nose and raise the bridge and narrow it, so it didn't look quite so much like a lump of clay that had hardened before I could properly it could properly could be properly shaped. Unfortunately, fixing my nose would also highlight the fact that my eyes were slightly wider apart than they should be. They were close enough to allow me to focus both eyes on the same thing, but they were still a little bit farther apart than was ideal. When I had a big flat nose that wasn't quite so pronounced, would it become obvious if the doctors fixed it? If they were going to fix one thing, they'd have to fix everything, and fixing it all would make me look much more normal normal. I'd had enough surgery as an older child to know that it was a lengthy, painful, distressing process and that things could go wrong. But I'd also seen pictures of handsome men with symmetrical faces and proper noses, the kind of man man girls found attractive with a strong chin, chiseled jaw, and piercing eyes. They were on television all the time. I was smart enough to know I'd always be outside of ordinary. No matter what the doctors did to my face, I would never go to sleep one night and wake up the next morning to discover I'd grown new legs, but I wanted to know what I'd look like after the surgery. I tried to imagine the new face the doctors would give me, thinking about what the operation could mean for my future. It all went around in my head for a few weeks, the pain, the risks, the uncertainty, and the awful enticing thought of blending in. Then, decision time. Mom, Dad, and I sat at the kitchen table. Michael was there too, so he joined the discussion. We sat around and talked in circles for a while. Me and Mom and Dad and Michael, we guessed at what I might look like. We talked about how they'd do the operation at the end of the school year and hopefully have me back with my friends in January, new face and all. There are some risks involved, though, I asked. Yes, Dad said. My parents ran through them one by one. I could die on the operating table, a risk with all surgery. I could get an infection, which had happened before. It could mean more pain, more scars, and might even undo the work the doctors had already done. It might not work as well as everyone expected, with doctors doing hours and hours of work and me looking the same at the end, or worse. 
Mom pointed out that the doctors would be moving my eyes again. If they damage the nerves around your eyes, there's a chance you might lose your eyesight, she said. Why can't they move one eye at a time, I asked, and be super careful. It doesn't work like that, Dad said. It's one operation, Robert. They have to do all the work at the same time. Michael, who had mostly been quiet until then, suddenly piped up. What use is looking pretty if he can't even see himself? I paused at that, and everyone turned to look at me. I still don't know exactly how or why, but that one question brought all of my thinking into focus. In that instant, I owned my face. I could trust myself to the doctors who had done so many wonderful things to get me so far. I could give them the chance to move me a bit closer to normal, risks, rewards, and all, or I could take my chances and make my ugly way in a sometimes ugly world just the way I was. Until then, almost everything in my life had been governed by what I looked like, but I'd had no ownership of that. I'd had no say in my appearance and no control over what was decided in the name of my face. When my brother made his comment, I suddenly understood what it really meant to make that choice for myself, to take ownership over my face. I decided right then that I was not going to have that operation. I might never be a pretty sculpture, but I was done with being the doctor's clay. I knew I was ugly, but everyone is uglier than they think. We are all more beautiful, too. We all have scars only when we can own. Only we can own. An operation to fix my face would mean leaving behind this horrid, bumpy, uneven, unequal, disquieting, disfigured, disturbing face that made me who I am. Sometimes people would say to me that I'd managed to do quite well despite my appearance and my disability, and I started to realize that I hadn't become who I was despite those things. There was just as much chance I had become who I was because of my ugliness and my disability. I don't want to have this operation, I told my parents. I don't want to have any more operations ever. It was me, my legs, and my ugly face against the world.